It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? Welcome to BGN Radio, episode number 186. Uh, I am your host, Matt Daring, uh, and we're here to talk some football. We had some real, honest-to-God, Eagles football. I cannot believe it. What a day. Uh, with me, as always, is my my radio partner, my host with the most. It is Mr. John Stolnes. How are you, buddy? Matt, feeling good, 1-0. You know, the Eagles are 5-0 and now this season with the, with those all-important preseason games tallied in. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Hey, Matt, we got a quarterback. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, I, th- I think that, you know, I opened my, I opened my window this morning. I looked out. I, I took a look around, and I thought, you know what? We have a quarterback. And, quarterback. and I, we'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, first of all, I just wanted to say uh, to those of you who tuned in and listened to uh, John James and BLG on uh, 94 WIP yesterday, uh, thank you so much for your support. I don't think that uh, we can say enough how much it all means to us. Well, for me personally, that I see those amazing guys, you know, get this opportunity. But, you know, th- we wouldn't be anywhere. None of us would be without without you guys tuning in, listening, calling in, you know, all that stuff, retweeting, following and, and you know, talking to us. It's it's so cool to hear them, you know, get their shot on WIP. Uh, you know, Spike Eskin over there, he does a really good job and he doesn't pay me at all. So I think that you guys can trust me when I say <laughs> that, that, you know, this is this is like a really special thing that we have going on and, and we owe it all to you. So uh, thanks so much. And congrats to those guys. 
Yeah, no, it's, I mean, they're three really talented guys. They're, the guys are really sound. I mean, the show sounded terrific on Saturday. I mean, there's just, it's so much good content. And it's unusual for a radio station to put a podcast on the air every week. You know, it's, it's kind of charting new territory. And I think it's, uh, you know, if you heard any of the show on Saturday, I, mean, I heard bits and pieces as I, as I was chasing little kids all around. And, you know, it's just, you know, you, you kind of listen, listen to the half an ear when you do that. But, I mean, it just sounds so good. And, you know, John and James and, and, and BLG, they, they know what they're talking about and it comes across. It was and um, so it was it was a really good it was a from what I heard, it was a really good show. And, you know, kudos to WIP for getting those guys on the air. Yeah. And um yeah, I mean, I'm just so proud of them. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten a chance to hang out with them. And I know some of you guys have. We've seen you at, at all the different things. And uh, I know they're doing remotes throughout the season. So you should definitely try to make your way down, you know, at, at lunch from your job and have a beer with them if you can. Um, or don't. Don't tell them I said to because I can't write you a note. But um Anyway, yeah, if you ever get a chance to go out and meet those guys, I mean, they're just quality guys, real sweethearts. If you talk to them, you, you say you recognize them, you just go up and say, hey, I'm sure they'll give you a hug. They'll give you a big kiss on the cheek. Like, they're really nice guys. So um, congrats to those guys. Uh, we also, speaking of the, the fan support, we have a couple of calls here. Uh, so why don't we hear from them? We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. What a difference a trade makes, guys. Once we get rid of Sam Bradford, who I don't hate as much as everyone else seems to, it's just it's so exciting because you got this rookie quarterback coming in, Carson Wentz. You don't know what to expect. He comes out and has a great game. I mean, of course, there's rookie mistakes, and, you know, there's still room to grow. But, man, you got to admit, it was exciting to see. Luckily for me, next week, I got tickets to the Bears-Eagles game. I'm going to be there. going to see them in person, and hopefully it's just as exciting. Man, I walked into the season, was couldn't help but not be excited, you know. Carson uh, Carson Wentz wasn't going to be on the bench. Sam Bradford had to watch him for a season. But, man, that trade just changed everything up, and it feels a little good to be an Eagles fan right now. Thanks for the hard work, guys, and I uh, hope you like the game. Bye-bye. How about them birds? It's Craig from Cincinnati calling in. What a great day. Great week one. Loved it. Loved Carson Wentz's premiere. It was beautiful. Loved it. Um, moving on to Chicago next up. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Wentz and the defense can kind of learn from their mistakes. There were some, you know, mistakes that they need to learn from. You know, Wentz was just holding back in the pocket. He's not going to have that, uh, that much time, you know, weeks to come. Defense, there has to be better pass rush. It, it just has to happen. Ha- has to happen. Um, so hopefully they learn from their mistakes. It was a good week. I'm glad to see it. Go Birds. Go Eagles. Let's kick the shit out of Chicago. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know what? Uh, I think they have it right. I think those two callers they ha- they have it right. The uh, um, holy shit, that was uh, that was a really good game. Uh, sorry, dads, for the language. Um, yeah, I, that was um, that was uh, that was There's, a great game. I, I just was I was so thrilled about that. There's good reason to be excited. You know, I, I don't think I, I don't think any of us. I, most people thought the Eagles are going to to beat the Browns. But I know I wasn't optimistic about Carson Wentz coming out and having the kind of game he did. I wasn't optimistic about uh, the Eagles being able to look as competent as they did. And, you know, obviously there's, there's reason to be excited when the Eagles traded Sam Bradford, 
myself included, we kind of looked at the 2016 season as a rebuild. And, you know, it's that's probably still what it is for the most part. But, you know, it... It, there's certainly reason to be excited. You sit down and you, and you get 16 NFL games a year, and that's all you get. So when you get a win, when you see a team win, you get your you get your guys playing well, and you get a W, and you're on the board one and zero. That's a good feeling, and there's there's absolutely every reason to be excited right now. Yeah, and I thought that even more than getting the win, because we got seven wins last year, and I thought about three good ones. So, yeah, right. um, and then about four just really bad ones where I just really sort of unpalatable ones. Exactly. Yeah, I looked. I looked up from football, and I thought, dear God, let me never watch football again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to come out and get a get a win like this, you know, a quality win um, where the team looked really good, I thought that was a tribute. You know, dare I say to the coaching. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you thought, John, but I thought that um, this team came out and this team looked like they had a plan. You know, they had something of an identity, uh, you know, had a lot of the West Coast stuff, you know, mixed in with some of that some of that deep passing. And, you know, at some point, you know, they, they uncorked a couple and I was like, there it is. That's what I've been expecting. And they just really seemed like they knew what they were doing. They, they knew what they'd come here to do. And the team had, had planned and, and executed and done what they were supposed to do. And I think that just came out and they looked like a well-coached team. They did. They looked prepared. They looked like they were all on the same page. They looked like they were ready for the moment, which for a young team, or especially a team led by a young quarterback, uh, I, I don't know that I was necessarily expecting. They looked like a totally different team than when the one we saw in the preseason. Uh, you know, I mean, and I, I think, you know, when you when you look at the Eagles, when, when you look at the expectations coming into the season, they they moved the needle just a little bit based on how good they looked. They looked like a team. They looked like a professionally run organization out there uh, on the field. Everybody was on the same page. They, they looked, dare I say it like an Andy Reed coach team uh, when Andy would have his really good days. Um, you know, I thought that I thought the play calling was really good. Um, you didn't have, um, I, th- I thought the plays came in at a reasonable amount of time. You didn't have Carson Wentz hurrying up to the line with seven seconds left on the play clock. Uh, and-, and there was a good mix of plays. I thought there was a good mix of run and pass. Uh, you know, there was a good mix of uh, under the center and shotgun. Um, I-, I think they used a lot of different personnel sets. And it just it looked like it was a very well mapped out, very well thought out game plan. And it worked. And, you know, when, when you get all those things together, it just it looked like a really a really professionally done job here in week one, which we didn't see a lot of last year. Yeah, and I think that um, we sort of had a had a low expectation for Doug Peterson, and I don't really think that's we, fair. I think yeah. probably it's partly just because he looks like an idiot, and he's not very good with the media, you know. And he's, the visors, the yeah, visors, and he just is sort of like kind of kind of guy. I don't know if that's a if that's a, a thing we're all familiar with, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like everybody works with a guy like him, and sometimes he's a manager, yeah. and sometimes he isn't. But you know, he's like Jerry from Parks and Rec. That's right. Um, yeah. But, but anyway, you know, he comes out, he does a he does a he does a, a credible job and um, maybe he's married to Christy Brinkley. I don't know. But um, he uh, he this was a, this looked like this was a good team. And uh, more than that, I thought he looked like he knew knew what he was trying to get out of all his different players. You know, he had a couple of things that he seemed like he knew guys were good at. He had tall guys kind of working inside. He tried to get his fast guys outside. I mean, simple, like basic stuff. But, you know, the kind of thing that we, we had really been used to seeing here in a while um and 
I was just I just came away very impressed. Um, to your point about the about the balance, I think I saw that it was eleven passes, nine runs there in the first twenty plays, and you know that's mm-hmm. maybe arbitrary in points, but you know the runs seemed to be working, the pass seemed to be working. Like this was an offense that was working, and I think that uh, you know in, in the Chip Kelly years, we saw a lot of times when the offense was working, it almost felt like it was an accident. So yeah. um, <laughs> you know, kudos to them to seeming like it was working, but on purpose. Right. No. And I think you, you know, I don't think it's an arbitrary endpoint. As a matter of fact, I think they, they said after the game, they script the first 30 plays of the game. I remember when, when Andy Reid was here, it was usually the first 15, 15 but the yeah. first, the first 20 to 30 plays are usually well thought out. And so obviously then after that, the game flow dictates what you're doing. Um, and, and of course that you can't, you know, s- stick to your script for every one of those 20 to 30 plays because if you're in you know third and 17 you're not going to run the ball up the gut for five yards but you know for the most part the first the the first 20 to 30 plays as now it seems with with uh with doug peterson i think that's a good way to look at what the game plan was coming in and and the run pass mix um you know i think you know you can you can hang your hat on that a little bit and say that was at least the intention coming into the game um what I one of the, some of the other things I really liked to, that I saw from from Peterson was how everybody seemed to be on the same page on the two minute drill heading into halftime, especially with a rookie quarterback. They had all three timeouts heading into the final two minutes. Um, the plays came in on time. I uh, later in the game, I really liked Peterson going for it on fourth and four at the Cleveland. Four. That was a great. Quarter. That was great. That was super duper un. Uh, you know, un, un uh, underrated. That was not a. Yeah. That was not something that we're used to seeing. I mean, well, anywhere. Well, no, I, I, and it's certainly not the kind of play call we saw with Chip Kelly, who I think we all thought was going to be a more aggressive, more creative coach than he turned out to be on game day. Um, I was surprised. I mean, I, I was thrilled when they went for it. Even if they hadn't have made it, I would have been happy with them going for it. But I and didn't what see a play. That. that was just beautiful. Those seven guys yeah. came or whatever, and Wentz just took it on the chin and delivered yeah. it. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so pumped just thinking about it. God. And then, and then after taking that hit, after making that play, where he had to thread the needle to Ertz on and they got it by a yard. They didn't get it by a lot. He comes out on the next play and throws the deep ball to Aguilar for the touchdown. Uh, that's that was the ball game. That was the entire ball game right there. I mean, the, the Eagles had already taken a little bit of momentum away on the interception um, uh, as the Browns were, were were driving, you know, to start the second half. Um, you know, the Eagles got the interception. They started moving the ball down the field. They got into that fourth and f- four at the forty. It would have been very easy for the Eagles with 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 Donnie Jones, one of the best punters, to pin Cleveland deep with RG three and let the defense pin their ears back and go to work. But instead, they they went for it. They were a little bit aggressive, and it paid off. And you know. I thought that was, you know, in Doug Peterson's first game, he didn't have any nerves about going for it on fourth and four in that situation. Yeah, uh, to your point, well, we'll get into the touchdowns in a minute, but I, yeah, I thought that that was just excellent situational pl- uh, game planning there, and I think that was something that we were all a little worried about. You know, the Kansas City, their last game, the the whole Patriots thing, and I don't know if you saw Skip Bayless's defense of it or not. Uh, no. no, it wasn't him. It was um, It was the other guy nobody likes. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen A. No, the um, the guy just went to Fox. What's his name? Oh, uh, br- oh, 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 uh, oh! I know who you're talking about. The guy who's on with Colin Cowherd all the time. Jason Whitlock. No, it was Colin Cowherd. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, Colin. Yeah. Cowherd. So okay. he had he had a defense where he was sort of trying to trying to go to bat for them. But anyway, I wasn't sure that anybody really thought that that um, that this was going to certainly that this was going to be Doug Peterson's strong point. And at least certainly in keeping with the whole he's Jerry from Parks and Rec thing, I'm I'm not sure anybody <laughs> still really thinks that Doug Peterson can tie his own shoes. He can. Anyway, 
Um, I thought that he he came out and he had a, he had a coherent game plan to try to get the best out of a lot of his guys. You know, we've we've got like a couple of these sort of these these interesting little pieces that we have. You know, we have Jordan Matthews, this uh, this like agile tall guy. Um, you know, maybe not the best top end speed. Maybe he's not like that kind of guy. But you know, he's a dude who can use his size, and you know, maybe he doesn't like escape from a lot of guys. But anyway, you know, we got these odd pieces. Doriel Green Beckham's the same way. Kenyon Barner's the same way. Nelson Aguilar, you know. Maybe he could be more, but as of right now, he's just sort of this odd little piece. Josh Huff, too, even though he was mm. uh, he wasn't really he was involved persona in the, non grata today, yeah, yeah, game planned. But you know, we we came out and we saw this this game plan, and I thought all those guys they played really well. Jordan Matthews had a huge game. I mean, he had a this was a great game for him, and and it was he played outside, he played inside, he caught that incredible touchdown. I just thought that this was a really well game planned game, and you know. Uh, I guess we could talk about whether or not it's, you know, it being the Browns matters. But at the very least, these are coaches in Ray Horton and Hugh Jackson who are well regarded. They are. But I I do want to compare the fact that this was Doug Peterson's first NFL game as a head coach and Hugh Jackson's first game as an NFL head coach. And Hugh Jackson got out coached by Doug Peterson in this one. I, I do. I mean, I think Hugh Jackson, in his quest to be seen as the smartest man who ever lived, outthought himself on a couple of different occasions with some ill-timed reverses um, and end arounds. And that, that fake punt. Can we talk about the fake punt? Do we have time? Can we please? We have plenty of time <laughs> it's, for that. I, I mean, love that podcast. We're all out of time. No, we're not. <laughs> Um, the clock's ticking. <laughs> what was he thinking, man? That was great. God, I loved it. I mean, that was that was just about as indefensible as I could really come up with. I've, there was... I've never seen a fake punt lose yardage. I mean, maybe they don't make the first down, but I've never seen them lose seven yards on a fake punt. I've almost always just seen them do the, the pass, but then this was yeah. like, here we're at, or they'll, they'll like really quick surprise snap it to somebody who steps in the way or uh, right. something like that. But instead, this was just like, Hey, there's a running back. He's taking the punt. What do you think's going to happen? Like, there is no trickery. The punter is white. Duke Johnson is not. The punter wears number four. Duke Johnson wears a number with two numbers on it. Like, unless you're not paying attention at all, you got to see that this is not the punter. This is not going to be a punt. Duke Johnson is not a punter. This isn't like a pooch kick, you know, Tom Brady, Randall Cunningham, 91 yard, you know, whatever, whatever kind of situation. This was, here's comes Duke Johnson. What do you think's what do you think's gonna what, happen and that was really, and it didn't work it looked insanely bad what really tipped me off was when the punter actually lined up as a tight end on the play uh, yeah why is he out there what good is he <laughs> what it just it made absolutely well it obviously did not fool a dave Phipps special teams uh, operation which it's pretty hard to fool a dave Phipps operation yeah. uh, on special teams yeah. so but i just thought that you know hugh jackson was maybe trying to outthink himself a little bit and uh you know i it it, it bit them in the first half especially i think um but uh, i thought i thought the comparison between the two was interesting seeing it as how it was their first game and by the way this Doug Peterson becomes the first Eagles coach to win his first home game since Dick Vermeil in 1976, man. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Um, that's a year. Yeah, I was born that year, and I can attest that was a long time ago. <laughs> seen a lot of things, Matty. I have um, seen many things. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's turn it over to the defense for a minute. I thought the defense's day was, uh, I guess it was a little up and down. Actually, I thought it was up, then down, then back up again. But all in all, I think a pretty solid performance against um, probably the stronger unit on the Browns. I would think that uh, most people would agree that the offense was probably the strength of this particular team as it stands right now. So, um, 
Uh, yeah, the, this was, uh, you know, they well, obviously they came away with uh, with an interception. Um, there was an unforced error there by Cam Irving on this uh, that punt that, that snap out of the uh, back of the end zone. But um, yeah, in general, I thought that the defense played pretty well. Um, we saw Leotis McKelvin came out at one point, and uh, Jalen Mills had to step in and uh, ruin RJ3's day there by crunching Oof. him as he ran out of bounds. Man, that was nasty. Uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty tough. But uh, <laughs> all in all, I thought you know Fletcher Cox he had a big sack. Uh, actually, John caught up with Fletcher Cox at the end of the game there, um, and he had, uh, he had a couple of questions to ask. There's even a good time of possession joke in there, so let's take a listen. The offense also had the ball for 39 minutes and 20 seconds, so did you feel pretty fresh in the second half? Oh, yeah, always. When the offense is you know, uh, controlling the game clock, it, it's, it's great for the defense because that keep us fresh, you know, keep, uh, you know, keep everybody ready to go. So wait, time of possession matters then? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, we won the game, so uh, I mean, that was the most important, the most important stat. Uh, yeah, so great to hear from uh, Fletcher. It's cool. Uh, I'm so pumped that John's finally credentialed, so we can get some of these uh, these cool sound bites for you guys in the in the wrap up shows. But um, yeah, the defense. Uh, I thought they played pretty well on the whole. Uh, I guess the only thing that really concerned me. Well, the linebacking didn't seem super duper. Um, I'm not sure that this was really all that different from what we were expecting. Uh, it is notable that Kendricks came off the field and nickel, uh, further cementing this idea that it's not just a myth that he's in the doghouse, that he is definitely in the doghouse. Yeah. But um, I thought that the pass rush was a little bit up and down, although I thought once they got Graham back out there and playing a lot more, you know, there was that there was that, uh, that sequence there in the end zone. Uh, I think it ultimately ended in a punt. I'm not sure. But, you know, there was a sequence there in the end zone where, where BG was just he was just in it he was you know two three mm-hmm. plays in a row he just was he was just disrupting stuff so that was pretty cool to see and of course you know coxie had a big sack so um but yeah i don't know what did you think of the defense well i mean it it was it was not looking great there in the third quarter when it seemed as though cleveland started to get a little bit of momentum back i believe it was 13 to 10 at the time and they were driving and then they they got the turnover they got the rodney mcleod interception and after that the defense kind of started to pin their ears back a little bit. Um, they mostly kept the Browns out of the end zone. Uh, Cleveland's touchdown came after a couple of kind of, I thought were questionable uh, calls by the officials on uh, Eagles defensive backs. You're right. They didn't generate yeah. a whole lot of pass rush early, um, but I thought by the fourth quarter, they were the, the defensive line specifically was really influencing the game uh, to your point about the linebackers. Um, you know, I, you didn't see a whole lot of the Eagles getting torched by Gary Barnage or Duke Johnson. So I thought in the passing game, at least I I felt like they did a decent job and you know, Isaiah Crowell didn't have a big game running the ball either. So overall I thought, I, I think the linebackers, they didn't make any big plays, no sacks really. I think, um, I don't know if Connor Barwin was uh, credited for a sack um, at one point. Yeah, he played mostly like, hand in the ground. He did play mostly hand, exactly. I was sort of a little yeah. bit more, it seemed like they just got a lot of mixed up inside, you know, and that could just be a communication issue, you know, who goes where, or, you know, maybe these guys are a little bit less uh, less used to only having three guys playing off the line and keeping them clean. But, um, yeah, and I... And of course, that's that strange, bizarre, really bad underthrow that resulted in that long gainer. That was probably the oh yeah, that was odd. That yeah, was I mean, that's, the, we saw that a lot last year with that crew. And you see it um, a lot in the uh, baseball. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it reminded me of. Was just we got all these guys who they're all looking at each other, going, "I don't have it. Do you have it?" You know, yeah. shortstop, the yeah. left fielder, the center fielder, they're all, and then it just lands maybe yep. foul you know who knows i don't know i don't know where it is but um infield fly rule action there yeah no. <laughs> unfortunately there's no infield fly in baseball um or in football um yeah i uh but i thought that overall the defense they had a good day i mean well obviously they kept an only you know only 10 10 points there and they uh it's 10 points right 
Yeah, yeah, 10 points. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They kept them to only 10 points there. And, um, you know, seven of those points were, were, were not well earned. I would, I would think that most people would agree. So, um, yeah, not, not a bad day for what we sort of hope to be the strength of the team. Uh, real quick, real quick about Brandon Graham. You, you mentioned him a second ago, and I, you, you can't. I, I wanted. I didn't want to run past him without mentioning the fact that you know, there was at one point the first round pick was on a trajectory to being like a Mike Mamola, you know, or seeing seeing kind of like how we see Marcus Smith now, and he's he's really turned into a terrific defensive lineman. But it, I, you know, they spent a first round pick on him, and his first couple of years, it didn't look like that was going to pay off. Um, but I mean, he's really worked, and he's he's a valuable part of that defensive defensive line rotation now. Yeah, he's an um, interesting player. I don't think there's a lo- there's a, not a lot of guys out there that are like him. You know, he's almost like a, like this odd kind of squatty, aggressive edge setter. So you might be sort of inclined to talk about like I don't know guys like uh, the Bengals, Michael Johnson, or something like that. But you know, this is a guy who uh, I think that you know a few years ago they did this story about how he's the strongest guy in the locker room, and I don't think yeah, that, I heard that. I don't think that really surprises me at all. He cleaned you know he he deadlifts a million pounds and i don't know i'm not a but yeah you know he's he's they all said oh he's clearly the strongest guy in the locker room and and i think you sort of see that he's just like a this very odd kind of edge but strength guy you know with a good motor and you know a good head in his shoulders but it's very interesting to watch him kind of just win against these offensive tackles whose game is supposed to be kind of strength and speed with his own sort of strength and he you know he doesn't have the agility to be one of those top 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 of the line edge players like you know your clownies or whatever and i'm not sure he's got the explosion of, of vinnie curry but like dude if he gets his hands on you he's just going to lift you up twirl you around and throw you into the sun you know um <laughs> uh, like uh, superman or he's you know he's going to fly around the world like he's this guy is strong he's he's an interesting player i'm really excited looking forward to really excited and looking forward to seeing him play a little bit more um yeah i thought that but i thought overall the defense obviously they had a really good day um let me run run one other thing by you, Matt, about the defense bef- before we move on. Is that do you after the game? I think some of the players were were quoted as you know talking about the fact that the offense managed to stay on the field more benefited the defense, and we saw in the fourth quarter the defensive line really take over. Do you buy into that at all about the Eagles? They had the the time of possession. It's they they held it for thirty nine minutes twenty seconds. Do you? I mean, obviously, part of, part of the part of the conversation about Chip last year was the the fast tense, the fast pace of the offense, the the up tempo really left the defense on the field for um, most of the game, a large portion of the game, and that you know there were you know there was talk that it wore them down, and you know they weren't as effective late in games. And in this sure. game, you saw the defense really step up late. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. I guess I go back and forth on it. I think that. It's definitely good that the defense only played 20, 20 of the 40 minutes, you know. That's probably something that they're thrilled about. Um, I know I'd be thrilled about something like that if I were them. Um, I'm not sure if that's the sort of thing that wins and loses you games. I would certainly think that the Browns defense would be much more likely to sort of feel the opposite way. That like, man, oh man, we played so much. Especially because uh, I think that most football players would agree that the, you know, the defensive players are, have it a lot harder than the offensive players. On a, yeah. on a per snap basis. But, you know, I also thought they just acquitted themselves well. They sort of made their own wealth in that way. Uh, That's true. I'm not sure that, you know, maybe averaging more drives in general last year is, is certain, may, might have hurt them. But I think that in a lot of ways, you know, they got off the field and, and that was their own responsibility and they did a good job. You know, they, they got off the field a lot. I don't know how many three and outs did they have. It was probably was it four, I think, something like that. Um, and uh, but, but just seeing them just seeing them out there, 
Yeah, I mean, they did They did definitely look fresher, and, and sort of by the fourth quarter, they were, like, ready to go. But, you know, the flip side of that is that the Browns' offense was nice and rested, too. They just suck. So, <laughs> I, you know, yes. I, I guess... I guess That's I, a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm, not, I'm still not sure that uh, which one is, which way I feel about it. Well, listen, Matt, before we, uh, before we move on, um, we just want to mention our sponsor for BGN Radio, Clip It. It is the hottest app that is out there. Watch live TV. Uh, you can make 30-second high-definition clips and share them on Twitter, Facebook, or your very own blog. It's a great way to, to share video uh, if you're trying to tell a story, whether it's baseball, football, whatever it is, and you, you need some video content. Clip It is the way to do that. Um, and we've also been promised that local Philly stations are going to be added very, very soon, uh, and that makes having Clip It so much more essential for football season here in Philadelphia because um, you, you've got to I mean after what we saw from, from Carson Wentz here, we're going to talk about in just a minute, you, you want to be able to share every good throw that he made, every touchdown, every big play that he made all the Fletcher Cox sacks, all the interceptions. It's all right there in the palm of your hand. It's at the App Store, in the Android Store, and at Clip It TV or ClipIt.tv and on Twitter at ClipIt TV. Clip It. Um, it is the hottest app that is out there, Matt. I don't know if you were aware of that or not. Yeah, I've I've heard about Clip It. Uh, it's great. You know, I was on it there. Really I was on there awesome. earlier. I made a couple of clips, and yeah, it's. I mean, it's a must for football season. No more of these crappy gifts holding your phone up. It looks bad. It looks weird. You know, and it makes you look well. For, and then you have to show off your living room. You know, maybe <laughs> they catch you in the catch your reflection in the TV, and everybody can see you know how gross you are, or like what color boxers you're wearing, or whatever. You know, like that's not the sort of thing that you want getting out there. So just use Clip It. You know, it's better. Absolutely. Um, so let's turn now. I think that, well, before we get into the main event, which is Carson Wentz himself, uh, I think it's worth revisiting. So I don't know if you remember this, but the Eagles traded up for Carson Wentz. And I'm not sure if you if you don't remember that first part, then you're definitely not going to remember this next part. So strap in. The, um, <laughs> the, the They traded with the Browns, the very same Browns we saw today so the same browns the very same so wow so what irony the so we, the browns came out and they saw you know this was their this was their uh their ghost of christmas past this was their you know carson wentz he was out there he was rattling their chain his chains at them you know and 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 i guess they were sort of taking a look they felt like they they felt like and and uh you know paul de podesto whatever we feel about him from the baseball world he came out and sort of said and and I think this was probably a lot blander than maybe uh, people acted like it was, but they said they didn't see him as a top 20 quarterback. You know, Hugh Jackson sort of alluded to the same thing. And uh, I mean, the reality is probably that drafting a quarterback right now is not online with the Browns kind of uh, timeline of when they are trying to be good this year. They're just trying to get out from under it next year. They're going to try to be good and you know, it might work, might not Sixer style, who knows? But um, the, the reality is they passed on him and uh I think that after seeing him come out here and, and having what by all accounts was a really impressive debut, you got to wonder if they're second guessing it at all. Uh, so, I, you know, um, from my perspective, you got to be right. Like, I think that it would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to go on social media or even, you know, I think Cleveland.com had an article about like, did the Browns make a mistake? And they had some reader poll and whatever, whatever. But, you know, people said that they thought that the Browns did make a mistake. And, and I guess I sort of think that, you know, maybe the Browns have a different vision. But look, if they'd known now what they you know, if they'd known then, you know, having watched this now, you got to figure that they're probably not picking up the phone when the Eagles call. So yeah. I guess, you know, I'm sort of thinking do you, what, what what do you think john what do you, do you think the browns think they made a mistake do you think that they're going to lose any sleep over this 
I don't think they will, but I think they should. Yeah. Um, you know, I think hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, and we're we are still just talking about one game. Um, but Carson Wentz out played RG three, and it's not even close. Um, you know, it was yep. what you and you. I think you saw. Listen, coming into this game, did I think Carson Wentz was a top 20 quarterback right now heading into week one? I didn't, no. So I didn't necessarily disagree with uh, with what the Browns brass was saying. No, I don't think anybody thought Carson Wentz was going to be a top 20 quarterback in the NFL this year. That's typically not what happens with rookie quarterbacks. But, you know, I mean... That's you don't you don't draft a guy like Carson Wentz for this year. You draft him to be the franchise quarterback for your team for the next ten years. And if you don't think over the next ten years he was going to emerge as a top twenty quarterback, well, you know that's that's a horse of a different color. And you know I I think we're seeing we saw from Carson Wentz is that he certainly has the tools to develop into that. Maybe even by the end of this year. I mean, maybe he's there now. Yeah. I well, mean, I mean, I think that uh, John, other John Barchard, he he made this point that top twenty is not that good. You know, right. I, there's that, only thirty teams, that's right? Thirty-two. Yeah. There's not the, there's not a, like a lot of um. You know, you're talking about is he a bottom twelve guy? And like, I think that off the top of your head, you could probably rattle off some of the bottom twelve guys like Trevor Simeon and Blaine Gabbert. Like, oh, I'm not doing this, but you know, this idea that like. He's not even a top twenty. Like that's pretty bad because if you consider that there's probably ten guys whose jobs are in jeopardy next year, and then another mm-hmm. couple of guys whose jobs are in jeopardy the year after that, you know, you throw in. And if you're talking long term, you throw in the idea that like a lot of these guys are retiring soon. I mean, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, blah blah blah. Carson Palmer, who's on my TV right now. You know, all these guys are probably, you know looking sort of towards the next step in their life and you know which uh, sports network is going to hire them to commentate so you know i i don't know i i think that i think that they got to be feeling like maybe maybe we sort of messed up here at least a little bit just because i mean he came out he looked in charge he looked great so you know Hugh comes out and he says oh yeah that was the other thing i was gonna mention there were a couple of nuggets that leaked out one was that they didn't feel like he was dominant enough at a lower level of college football and i (laughs) i guess i could see that i mean certainly his team was dominant and maybe that muddies the waters for them maybe it doesn't you know maybe maybe for some people that's like a huge plus Maybe it isn't, you know, we've got the winning experience, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it certainly seems like a quality person. So if you believe in that sort of thing, that's that's certainly something to be said for that. But um, that was that was one thing that got out there. This was the other thing, and, and our good friend Patrick Wall uh, pointed this out. They said that um, at his pro day, they didn't feel like he was resilient enough to the conditions. Uh, his pro day, of course, was held in a dome. Um, so that's, that's sort of a head scratcher, but somebody clarified that apparently during his pro day that what they were doing was they were taking water bottles and squirting water on the ball. Yeah. The wet balls. Yeah. yeah. And then seeing, and seeing what that is. And I don't know, that seems, uh, that seems like a little bit out there. Like, uh, we, you know, can we, can we give him four beers, have him put his forehead on a baseball bat, spins around seven times. I mean, how many passes does he complete? And it's not enough. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of weather they're in where it's equivalent to squirting a, like a water bottle on a ball. But that to me sounds like they might've outsmarted themselves here. And I think that after watching the game plan today I, and, and just knowing, knowing the reputation of Paul Podesta and, and all that stuff, you know, I got to figure that this organization is maybe has a big swing and a miss here. It seems like it. I mean, it kind of reminds me of that explanation of that uh, scene in the social network when Mark Zuckerberg has all those guys taking shots, trying to crack, you know, try, trying to uh, crack a, um, they're trying to hack into some kind of system or, or whatever it is computer people do. Uh-huh, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so whatever. And, uh, you know, it's like they're, they're taking shots and, you know, they're, they're in a crowd, they're in a room full of kids screaming at them and they're, they're trying to 
you know, do whatever it is they're, they're, they're trying to do. I mean, if that's what you're trying to, you know, if Carson Wentz doesn't pass that test, that means you don't, that means you don't take him, you know, number two overall. And the fact is, you know, the Browns had the number two pick. They didn't have to trade up for it. You know what I mean? They could have just sat there and taken the kid and, you know, maybe again, we're just talking about one game. Maybe it'll work out for them, but they have to be thinking maybe we made a mistake. They have to be. Yeah, well, God bless him and good luck to him. I guess going forward. Godspeed yeah. to you, Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they're they're doing some some odd things. And, Lucky upstarts, you. Yeah, and I guess well, to me, I sort of turn my nose up because um, uh, it's just something in the the MMQB last year or the year before where they they referred to the Hugh Jackson marketing machine, and I'm thinking if your marketing machine is too bald faced for Peter King and his his group, I'm not really sure what. <laughs> not sure, not really sure you're doing your marketing right, but. <laughs> Um, anyway, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the man. Yeah, let's talk about him. That was, John, that was incredible. That was, that was a great performance. I was, I was just smitten. I was pumped. The, came out, I mean, it was a little up and down. Really would have liked to see a few less drops, but geez, oh my, oh my God, holy crap. Those two (laughs) touchdown passes were probably better than any, you know, sort of intermediate to deep pass I've ever seen. Well, not ever, but seen, you know, from a Philly quarterback in the last couple of years. I don't think that even Michael Vick, when he was playing really well, a lot of his deep passes were just, let me just hurl this as far as I can. But these were these were pinpoint, you know, red zone or edge of red zone kind of things. And this was just perfect. What a performance from the young guy can't say enough nice things about him you know he was busy at the line he was you know he audibled a couple of times spent a little bit of time trying to figure out why he was yelling out lucy uh <laughs> but you know this guy he seemed in charge he seemed smart he was poised in the pocket his his arm was as advertised he held the ball he took risks there was no tentativeness to him whatsoever what an incredible performance what do you have to say the, the, I, I think the two touchdown throws, as you mentioned, what made them particularly impressive uh, was that it's not like he he threw a ball, a deep ball down the middle, and the receiver caught it at the 20 and ran him in. He had to drop those into a location in between the end zone and the sideline with, with, with defenders. I mean, not you know the, the, clearly the receiver's got a step or two on the defenders, but you still have to put that ball in just the right spot. You can't air it out, but you also can't underthrow it. And both of those throws were in the end zone, in between the smallest of cracks to get it in there. Those were man's throws. Those were veteran throws, you know, and you mentioned, I thought just as impressive as, as those throws were the, was the audibling. I mean, he, he went up to the line a couple different times. I know, I remember one play in particular, he was under center and he recognized man coverage in, in the secondary and, and went to shotgun and, and hit a big, uh, hit a big gainer. I think it was to, I think it was to Matthews. Um, yeah, it yeah, was, I think uh, it was, you're right. It was on the field goal drive when they went up 10, when they went, when they scored their 10th point, um, you know, he went, you know, and he's throwing on the. We know that one of Wentz's strengths is throwing on the move, all game long, rolling out and hitting receivers. A lot of the talk in the preseason was that he was overthrowing people, um, and that his mechanics were that he was, he, he was overshooting folks. You didn't see that today very much. It, it was almost everything was on target. I mean, it was, it was. I mean, it was far better than any of us could have expected. A 101 passer rating. Um, he went 22 of 37 for 278. The two scores didn't throw an interception. Just as a point of comparison, Matt, in Donovan McNabb's first game as a starter, 
He went 19 of 36 for 165, one touchdown, two interceptions, and a 51.3 rating. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I think that you're totally right to expect that the rookies have a bit of a rough start. I don't think that, and I don't think that anybody would really penalize him for it. But this was not a rough start. I mean, you know, maybe at times they got a little bit they got a little bit down, and there were certainly more drops than you'd like to see. And I think that you know, yeah. some of those drops it was it was probably a little bit more on him than it was on the receiver. Certainly the one Sproles drop there towards the end where it hit him. You know, his hands were a little too outstretched. But, I mean, I don't think – man, I, I'm having a hard time really finding anything to complain about. I mean, I thought that he was – I thought he was outstanding. That, um, he was. I get, here, here's one. I thought that he seemed a little bit still in the pocket sometimes. Sometimes there was – it looked like he got in his head that he was just going to sit there. You know, he didn't keep his feet moving. He didn't really – but look, man, this was – if this was if this is the base, if this is what we're building on, then yeah. I have no I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that this is a franchise quarterback. I mean, this was this was an outstanding game. This was a really, really encouraging thing to see from, you know, from a guy who we only saw a little bit and we were worried that we was gonna go on mothballs for the year. And here he was. I mean, this was great. What what a performance. And I mean, can we just take a minute to talk about the sort of legend of this guy? I mean, the legend of Carson <laughs> Wentz, and as it grew, I think that there was this, um, this sort of like eye-rolling moments about him working out in uh, Indianapolis before preseason game three, and uh, you know, Jordan Matthews uh, was mostly there, mostly there to work out Jordan Matthews, and Wentz was throwing to him, and uh, you know, at the end of it, he said, "Okay, I'm ready," and he flips the ball to Howie, and he goes, "And so is he," you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I'm kind of like, cool oh, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh man, really good stuff um there's the actually there's a, you, the cynic in you wants to come out and criticize that but you're like but wait a minute this yeah. is carson Wentz. that's actually kind of cool yeah that's pretty cool mr trick shots over here um exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i, I there's another thing is and you should definitely look this up he's talking about like this uh this a stick y concept where um you know a receiver runs a sort of clearing route and really the only purpose of the clearing route is to clear out guys and you don't throw that ball it's just the guy mm-hmm. and he's he doesn't care and he's just running it and nobody's ever thrown to it. And Jordan Matthews is like, I knew it was really something when he threw to that guy that nobody ever throws to because they don't want to risk it. And I and I sort of think that, yeah, you can see this just the, the little bit of the gunslinger in him. You know, there's nothing tentative. There's nothing like just good enough about him. Like this is a, this is an interesting guy and this guy could potentially really be something. So, yeah, I thought that, you know. This was what we've been waiting for. I mean, look, people, this is what we've been waiting for for a while now. Uh, you know, we've sort of thought, you know, could it be Foles? Well, no. Could it be Bradford? Well, maybe, but it wasn't. Um, you know, could it have been Kevin Cobb? Uh, no. Could it have been Vic? Well, yeah, it was for a little bit until it wasn't. I mean, this is like, you know, even, I mean, this is even more promising than McNabb ever looked, like you said. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're probably looking back a long time. I guess probably till McNabb's you know second year when he came back and looked really good. He dropped all that weight and everything. So, I yeah, but this was I mean this was so good, John. I can't get over just how impressive this guy was. I'm sitting there, I'm just waiting. You know, you watch a couple of things. You know, he's got his eye on. You know, when when does he see single high? You know, when's he looking to go deep and and you know he's biding his time. He, you just you can just tell that the, you know the wheels are churning. This is a, this is like a crazy smart guy. And look, everything that comes out of Novacare sort of corroborates the fact that this is an incredibly intelligent guy mm-hmm. out here. And 
yeah, I mean, before the game, there was all this stuff. I was I was about ready to like just bash my brains in listening to all these people talking about the the Missouri Valley Conference or whatever. But this is a this is a Division One Double A quarterback who came out here and dominated. I mean, he made Joe Hayden look bad. He made uh, you know the the pass rush. He was able to elude them a few times. He was able to outsmart. I mean, this is a guy who was out there outsmarting Ray Horton, who's a, by all accounts is a very well regarded defensive coordinator who's had a couple of couple of jobs in the past couple of years, but. You know, this well, was this was a smart guy. Ugh. Not only not only that, he did this with what one and a half quarters of preseason football under his belt, with about three weeks of not even practicing yeah. with the first team offense. I mean, he did that. You know, it reminded me a lot. And obviously, Cam Newton's first game was more spectacular. I think Newton threw for over four hundred yards in in his first. Oh game. yeah, but, but it reminded me a lot of that game in that. He didn't look afraid of the moment, you know. I mean, when you're playing in front of a packed house in in Philadelphia, in front of your own crowd, and you know it's your first NFL game, he didn't look jacked up. He didn't look. He, he seemed composed. He seemed under control. But he seemed, you know, that he was. He he had enough juice in him, you know, obviously to lead a touchdown drive uh, on on the first possession of the season, and. You know, I mean, I thought that to me, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the fourth and fourth, the 40, that to me was the most eye-opening play of the game because not only did he did he have the confidence to make the throw that he threw, to, to execute the throw and, and get the first down and to take that shot, he took a nasty shot from a free blitzer straight up the, straight up the middle, nobody touched him. And then on the next play to come back and throw that rainbow into the end zone for Aguilar to, to get run underneath and catch for the touchdown that really essentially put the game away. I, I don't have words for that. I mean, that is not something a rookie quarterback in his very first game, one who only played a quarter and a half of preseason football and missed three weeks of practice time with a broken rib. That's not something a kid like that does. That tells you all you need to know about about what kind of player we have here, I think. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I just can't. I'm gushing, man. Yeah, gushing. I, and I thought, I mean, this is probably, this is getting back a little bit, but uh, I'm just thinking back to that um, that screen pass where the, the the pass went off of Sproles' hands and Aguilar reeled it in. I'm yeah, just thinking yeah. about, there's this whole, you know, you talk, they talk about team defense, you know, they talk about gang tackling, they talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, just guys who are helping, guys who understand what everybody else is doing. People are all on the same page. I thought that was, a, that was an indication that everybody else was on the same page, but on offense, you know, some team yeah. offense there. But... Um, yeah, it just, you know, I don't think they, they didn't have him do any designed runs. They, you know, he only ran a couple of times and yeah, the offense stalled a little bit. I think that's to be expected, but especially, you know, given what we, what we sort of believe about these, these weapons, but there was a clear game plan in place and this guy went out there, he executed it to perfection. And I, I think we got a good one here. I mean, uh, look, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, fly off the handle here and say that, look, we got the next Peyton Manning, but you know, this is a guy, he's 20, what, 23 years old. Yeah. He's out here. He's, you know, he's field generaling. He's, he's calling audibles. He's recognizing blitzes. He's looking, he's seeing, you know, he's seeing what sort of coverage does he have? Does he have man? Does he have, you know, single high? What's, what's going on where? And, uh, I'll throw a bunch of other cover. Does he have cover three buzz? Anyway, um, you know, like he's got, the, he's got all these, these, got all these machinations going on in his head. I think that's incredibly promising for such a young player. There's not a lot of guys who can do that. I don't think, you know, Jared Goff's not doing that. RG3 still isn't doing that. So, you know, we're talking about, look, I think we got a really good one here. He's got all the physical tools. He's got the mental tools. He's even pretty much put it together. I think he's just got to keep building on this. And, you know, hopefully the coaching staff is, you know, can, can help him. 
keep building on it. Stay healthy is important. Sure. I, you know, we're just we're all going to be we're going to be like taking deep breaths every time he gets hit hard in the pocket. But he's a big kid. You know, I I think it's you know he's 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 a big body. So I mean, he seems like a he he will be a durable uh, quarterback going forward. Um, the broken ribs thing in the preseason, he says, you know, he he wears a flap jacket and it, he just got hit in such a certain way. But it is, I, I mean, for a quarterback, you know, they 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 use their core a lot when they're when they're in the pocket and throwing and doing all the different kinds of things they have to do and didn't seem like you know there was any issue with him at all with any of that today um which leads me to think you know he's you know he he's not going to be a fragile guy you know i mean he took a couple of big hits today um in the game and so i just pray that he stays healthy and watch him develop you know and you know i just one other thing to to credit the offensive line because i really do think they did a pretty good job protecting him uh for the most part he got a couple of shots but that's going to happen you know no matter what offensive line you know you're and they've invested heavily in their defensive line too i think that that will probably i mean there's there's no doubt that that's the strength of their team certainly of their defense yeah. Lane Johnson, please. I, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, Lane Johnson didn't have a great game, but I like the way this offensive line played together. Um, you know, you didn't hear Alan Barber's name mentioned at all. That's a good thing. Yeah. You know, you didn't hear, you know, you didn't really hear much from the offensive line. There are a couple false starts here and there, but, you know, overall, they played a solid game and kept kept Carson Wentz uh, protected, gave him time in the pocket. That's going to be important, too. I'm, I really... You know, I don't know what's taking so long with this Lane Johnson thing, but I, I hope it results in either a reduction of the suspension or, or maybe even the elimination of the suspension altogether. I mean, I got my fingers crossed. I, you know, I expected this thing to be resolved a while ago. But, yeah, you know, so I think we'll, Lane we'll Johnson see. said after the game he expects that it'll be resolved this or that he'll hear it from this this week. So I guess fingers crossed okay. for that as well. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I mean, if you're not if you're not thrilled by what you saw from Carson Wentz this week, uh, you're watching football wrong. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I guess um, we're gonna bring back our segment, the one good, one bad. We should come up one with good, a, one bad. we should come up with a good name for that. Uh, I'll work on it. Um, anyway. my, my levels of creativity are uh, pretty much wanting to stick with one good, one bad. But we'll work on yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put my I'll put my best guys on it. Get um, your people on it. <laughs> yeah, so so I guess uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll get started. Um, for one good guy, uh, well, I guess I'll go ahead and I'll take Jordan Matthews. I thought Jordan Matthews, you know, he opened it up with a drop, uh, and I think he had another another one that was like that was not that good. But this was a big game for him. Let me look up his final line. It was, uh, was it six or seven catches. For... He had seven catches for one fourteen and a touchdown. Yeah, so that's I mean that's <laughs> that's a pretty good day at the office there that's for good day at the office. Yeah. For, yeah. Jordan Matthews, and he could have had a couple more, but anyway, you know, our regrets. So I, I'll go ahead and say Jordan Matthews. Uh, he had he had another nice block on um, on a long Barner run there, and uh, yeah, I just thought that this was a this was a good day for him. Um, you know, he made some beautiful catches. He and Wentz had that great touchdown celebration. Um, yeah. I thought that you know this this was you know if you listen to him talk, you can tell what a hardworking guy he is. And, you know, this was the results of him putting in a lot of time and hard work with his quarterback and, you know, just trying to get out there and uh, get to know this guy who he's got to work with intimately for the next, you know, 15 to 20 years, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I thought that this was, thought that this was a great game for him. Um, 
keep at it, J Matt. He, I'm sure he will. But you know, he he showed off his agility. He showed off his um, you know his catch his catchability. I thought that that was uh, something that he didn't really always get to. But you know, was able to catch it away from his body a couple of times, and you know, he was able to kind of get there, get upfield, and get down. You know, on those on those quick quick slant routes, the same ones that uh, Doriel Green Beckham was running there a couple of times, and you know, got a bunch of first downs. It was just a really good game for him. My one good one, uh, I'm going to give it to Nelson Aguilar because I mean he has good cat, really good, good pick. He's he's gotten. I mean, and I, I know you and I and pretty much everyone who covers the Eagles have led the charge of being disappointed in uh, his season last year, and he certainly was not opening any eyes in a positive way in the preseason. But um, you know he had a, he had a solid day. He obviously had the nice touchdown catch, had four catches for 57 yards. Most importantly, no drops on the day. Uh, and he looked involved. He looked involved in the offense. He looked like a player uh, who who will um, at least you you can you can see a way that he can contribute to this offense. And it was just it's it had to feel good for him because he's taken a lot of heat. He's taken a lot of crap. Um, you know, I'm sure the coaching staff has been on him too. You know, there there I never thought it was realistic that he wouldn't make this team. Of course, but. There, you know, there were real, you know, some folks who were wondering, did he deserve to make the team? He hadn't done really much to deserve being on the team. And uh, for one game, at least he did. He had a very nice game. I mean, maybe there's sometimes receivers just click with certain quarterbacks and maybe that'll maybe Aguilar working with Carson Wentz will be just what he needs. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I um, I mean, obviously he had that great. <laughs> That was a great touchdown grab. And then afterwards, everybody was slapping him on the helmet. And, and <laughs> it had to feel good. And he was into it, too, man. Like, he loved yeah. it. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good game from him. I thought that he showed some pretty good awareness a couple of times. You know, four catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. That's a pretty good day, too. I mean, it's not 114, it but, yeah, good for him. It's it nice to see him pull it out. Uh, for one bad, hmm. Uh, I guess it's I, slim pickings. I, guess I, mean, I, but... I guess I hesitate to, to put it on... I think we, we talked about this earlier. The 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 pass rush wasn't really getting there. Uh, I guess I'm, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling here. Uh, I thought McKelvin could have played better. There were a couple of times I thought I felt like he wasn't really you know a big credit to his uh, to himself. Um, obviously, he's a starter. Maybe he's not long for starting. Jalen Mills seemed to have filled in for him okay. Um, Mills obviously a very raw guy, just a rookie, but. Um, I guess I would probably say that McKelvin was maybe maybe one of the guys who I felt like needed some work, and maybe you know I'm sure somebody will be like, oh, did you see that? But anyway, I I thought that he um I thought that he he was probably you know the weak link there on the back end, um but uh yeah it was really slim pickings. I I thought that you know the defense played great, the offense played really well. Uh, I, the only other guy I might really mention was um Brandon Brooks. I noticed him a couple of times, um but. I don't know really what we can chalk that up to. And it's, you know, he's more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, but yeah. Um, not a lot, not a lot of complaints, obviously. I mean, there's a, there's a stack going around here earlier that this was the only game today. Um, and, you know, pending the results of the new England, Arizona game that was decided by double digit points. So wow. yeah, this was, uh, Interesting. yeah, this is, this was, this was quite the drubbing, you know, the biggest drubbing of the day. And, uh, you know, by team, by the team, that was only favored by three points. So, you know, hard for me to really complain about any of these guys. Yeah, my one bad, and it's again, it's it's nitpicking here. But Caleb Sergis uh, missing the first field goal. Um, it wasn't a chip shot by any means, but it's a it's a field goal that you want your your field goal kicker to make. Um, and so when they just signed to a big nine hundred thousand dollar deal, a huge deal. Are they gonna? I mean, <laughs> the nearly one million dollar man. 
<laughs> but no, you I obviously I mean he had he beat out Cody Parkey and you don't want your kicker to uh miss his first kick of the season. He came back and, and made another one and um the rest of his extra points were were fine and the extra points aren't chip shots anymore either, although they're usually pretty makeable. Um uh, but obviously Caleb Sturgis, don't miss any more. <laughs> sure. But uh you know, again, you know, if I'm you if I'm looking at the kicker as my one bad, um and he missed one field goal, you know you've had a good day. So um, again, Caleb, uh, it's it's we're not we're not going to kill him for for one missed field goal here in the opening week of the season. He'll probably end up, you know, he'll, he'll probably end up being pretty solid throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, not bad. I guess the only other one I might shout out is um, I didn't really think Darren Sproles was that much of an asset on offense. You know, very good on special teams, but had some drops. Uh, yeah, yeah, and didn't. And one other interesting note: Stephen Tullock did not play at all in this game. Yeah, I didn't notice him on specials either. I don't think those snap counts have come out yet. But yeah, he was a. Uh, I guess he was a, an active inactive, which is uh, yeah, just kind he of. He and Chase Daniel were the only two. Yeah, kind of a kind of a funny thing to uh, kind of a funny thing to see. I mean, even Najee Good, who they you know right. they cut and then said, it "Baby, come back." back. Yeah. Uh, you know, even even he played, and you know, he was he, well. He's a he's a core special teams player, but um, I think we all rolled our eyes at the idea that Tulloch would be playing special teams. But yeah, um, you know, maybe he's maybe he's still sort of getting worked in, and maybe they'll start to work him in as as Michael Kendricks works his way farther and farther off of this team. But um, yeah, it was uh, that was that was an interesting note. Um, he, uh, I don't know, did they miss him? Not really. No. So. <laughs> Well, I didn't. I you know what? It didn't even occur to me until I saw it after the game on Twitter. Yeah. That's when I realized, yeah, Stephen Tullock didn't play today. You get a load of he wrote a children's book. Yeah, he was. It's called the, he was, called he the was, smallest he was, linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Listen, kids, you work hard enough, even you can be a linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no matter how small you are. No matter how tiny you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sensing a pattern. He and Chase Daniel. Yeah, that's true, know? little guy. Um. Man, yeah, uh, and thank God we didn't have to see Chase Daniel because that would have meant some bad stuff. But yeah, twenty-two or thirty-seven, two hundred seventy-eight yards, seven point five average, two touchdowns, you know, just two sacks, quarterback rating one hundred one point zero. I mean, that's a great day for Carson Wentz. I'm so I'm so pleased. I mean, that was we got we got ourselves a good one, guys. I, I got on the got on the Amazon and I ordered a shirt of his. You know, I'm, I mean, nice. I, I'm all in. Um, I think that's pretty much it. We're going to wrap up here on episode number 186. Uh, John, do you have any final thoughts? I'm going to be, um, after we're done this, I'm going to be working on my uh, my paper ball into the uh, trash can uh, throwing because I want to be just like Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah. you got to get the MGMT backing. I don't know if you can still find that one, maybe on vinyl. Oh, I'm going to Jeez, Louise, I'm going to have to figure out where it is. <laughs> I think I, I've got it. I must have it on like an old like uh, ESPN CD or something like that, you know, with the, the music mixes and all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, those are the best. What, what are they called? The uh, the, the, the anthem mixes yeah. or the anthem CDs? Yeah, they're, whatever they send you for free with the magazine, right? I've got it somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah I think for me, uh, I guess I'd like to see a little bit more from the special teams next time. Um, and that's, that's sort of nitpicking. Um, maybe try to get a few more turnovers a couple of times. I sort of feel like, but um, they put this one away. They put this one away in good fashion. But it, I got I got no complaints. The Browns are going to be bad this year, man. Um, there's yeah. there's very little doubt in my mind. Especially if RG three. I mean, RG three's hurt again. Like, dude, we're about to. We're like one half of a play away from Josh McCown. So, uh, yeah, Browns are going to be bad. But you know, the Eagles. The Eagles might be all right. Uh, oh, here's one. They opened up three point underdogs to the Bears, and the Bears are the Bears stink. So if you the like to gamble. Bad. If you like to gamble, go make some money. Um, the line's going to move. 
Yeah, I should think so. I can't believe that they're at the Bears, so, but, you know, so it's supposedly even, but, like, no. Three-point underdogs? I don't think so. So, um, yeah, I think that'll do it for me, uh, for myself, Mr. Matt Daring, and for uh, Father Dr. John Stolness here, <laughs> uh, my partner. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, thanks for listening to BGM Radio, episode number 186. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.